Good morning, everyone. Everyone can hear me okay? I'm coming through. Okay, good. Um, I'm Rabbi Avi Strasberg. It's a pleasure to get to learn with you on this Sunday morning. I'm calling into you from Washington, D.C., um, and it's great to get to uh, be in your homes wherever you are. I thank you for that. So um, the question we're going to be exploring today is um, what is the purpose of exile? How do we understand the word exile? So we're going to be doing a lot of thinking about unpacking what we mean by the word exile. Um, but before we even start, I want to ask you a large question to think about, which is when is there a time in your life when you felt like you have been in exile? Okay, if this was a smaller, more intimate setting, I would love to get to hear your experiences. But when I ask you that question, is there a moment in your life in which you have felt that you have been in exile, I want you to take a moment just to think about what is that experience that's coming to mind? Um, what are sort of the feelings around that exile and, and why would you call it exile? Why does it feel like it fits into the category of exile? So as you're thinking about that, um, let me share just a couple of framing thoughts for this year. Um, the first is um, when I was in rabbinical school, so this is relevant particularly right now as we're about to go into um, what might be a hard Pesach for many of us with a two-day Chag on the first end and two-day Chag on the other end. And I was having a sort of a debate with a colleague in rabbinical school who was saying, I was saying, why not go to one day? We're not in exile anymore. We know what day to keep the one day. Um, and he was saying, no, even though, um, you know, technically we know which day is the first day and we don't need the two days, he was saying, I actually believe deeply in sort of the Jewish value of exile. And even though we're technically not in exile, we're choosing to be here, he said that actually the state of exile is so important to the identity of the Jewish people that um, we should always keep two days to keep that sense of exile, even when we're not in exile. And so it, it's something that... Um, a thought that has stuck with me of what does it mean to maintain sort of a sense of being in exile, even when we're technically not in exile and we're in the place that we're choosing? Why does it matter to sort of own this sense of exile, even when we're not in exile? So that's something that I want to come back to. Um, the, um, and now I do want to take a moment. So using the chat, um, I want to ask you, based on sort of the experiences that are coming up for you, when I say the word exile, um, what are the words that come to mind? What does exile remind you of? What, is it, what does it make you think of? And you could just chat those into the chat now. So I'll just read some of them out. Isolation, lost or outside of community, alienation, distant, quest, right? A sense of journeying, far from home, vulnerable and alone, away from home. I do not belong here. So there's some, there's the fear and uncertainty. Yeah, so some of there's, there's a lot of um, repetitive themes that we're seeing here, the sense of being far from home, the sense of um, alienation, of not belonging, perhaps a sense of uncertainty, silenced. So it seems fair to say, besides the quest, which I appreciated the word quest that really stood out, um, I would say that a lot of the words that are coming up here, for good reason, have negative re resonances. Um, that sense of isolation, that sense of isolation, um, alienation, longing, uncertainty, and yet, and yet the story of exile is fundamental to the story of the Jewish people. Um, so part of the question that I want to think about here is, um, how else might we understand exile? And if, and if exile is so fundamental to our story, um, what does it mean for us? I want to say one more word um, by means of introduction. Um, which is that it seems to me a little bit ironic to be um, talking about exile, exile being being far from home um, in a moment in which we are all doing quite the opposite, in which half the world is actually under a stay-at-home order. Um, 
And I wonder, in one, in one hand, it's sort of like a reverse exile in the sense that if exile is we're being um, out of our home, um, now we are, the exile is that we are being commanded to stay in our homes. Um, but I also wonder if we might understand the moment that we're in. In the moment in which we're in, um, if actually we are in exile from the lives that we know. So it's on one hand, we're not in exile in the sense that we're not far from home, we're in our homes, but there's a sense in which we're experiencing exile that's about um, being disconnected from the lives we know, a loss of a sense of um, alienation from our friends and from our family, um, certainly that sense of isolation, certainly that sense of uncertainty. So even though we are in our homes and it's sort of DACA, the opposite of being sent from our homes, there's also a way in which I think we might understand the moment we're in as exile. Okay, so um, by way of introduction, I want to, so we're back, we're going to start with the source sheet, we're on source number one. And, and I want to go to really the very beginning of our Jewish story, which is the moment in which um, God is commanding Abraham, um, Avram, lech lecha. So we're in source number one. So God says to Abraham, go forth from your land. I want to say one more word of introduction for those of you that already has this. Um, might have this on your mind, which is that when I'm talking, we're going to be talking about exile a lot. When I'm talking about exile, um, I am not talking about um, the forced exile that many people in the world are still um, suffering under and are still in oppression. So a part of what we're going to be doing today is sort of exploring other ways of understanding exile. And I just want to be really clear that um, there are people who are still, who are in exile from their homes today in circumstances that are very painful. Um, and that's not the exile that I'm talking about. And I, in no way, when we're trying to sort of search for new meaning and what meaning might we find in exile, um, that's not the exile I'm talking about. I'm not in any way suggesting that people who are finding themselves, um, who are forced to flee their homes, to sort of do the intellectual work that we're trying to do today. Um, we're, we're going to be exploring a different type of exile. And so I just want to hold on the table um, that I think the word exile contain a lot. Um, I'm talking about exile in a, it's sort of the, specifically the Jewish rabbinic context, not the exile that many people are undergoing today of being forced to flee their homes. Okay, so I just want to say that as a caveat. Okay, so back to Lech Lecha. So God says, go forth from your native land, from the house of your father that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So right from the very beginning of our story, you might already be saying to yourself, um, this is, this, is not, this is not necessarily exile. Um, part of the question that I would ask you is, as we're reading this text, in what way is this like exile? In what way is this not like exile? I would argue that you have the roots of exile in here, the lech lecha me'artzecha, from your land, me'moloratecha, from the place you were born, me'bet avicha, and even from your family, from your father's house. So Abraham is doing, being told to go forth with no certain plan. He doesn't know what's going to happen. I will bless those who bless you and curse him that curses you, and all the families of the earth shall bless themselves by you. And Abraham went forth as the land had commanded him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. And so part of the question that I would ask you, the beginning of Abraham's story already starts with him having to leave everything he knows and to go forth to a land that is not his own. Granted, he's still choosing it. He's accepting um, God's call. But I think part of the question I would ask you is, what would have happened if Abraham had stayed home? And a, a different version of that question is, could Judaism, could the Jewish faith have started if Abraham had stayed where he was? Why was leaving home? Why was going sort of into this chosen exile a necessary precondition 
of um, the Jewish people starting? What is it about going forth and leaving everything he knew and going to this unfamiliar place that was necessary for forming the Jewish people? So that's sort of our question today. And I want to look at the third um, source with you from the Sfat Emet. So the Sfat Emet, the Hasidic thinker, um, Rabbi Yehuda Arya Leib Alter from the 19th century, he's commenting specifically on this line, the go forth from your land, from your birthplace, from your father's house. So this is what the Sfat Emet is going to say. The question here is, why did Abraham need to leave? What was it about going forth? What was he going to gain there? So the Midrash quotes the verse, listen, O daughter, look and give ear, forget your people and your father's house. If you want the Hebrew, you have it just underneath the English there. So the Midrash connects these two verses. Our, our verse, the verse from Genesis, go forth from your land, your birthplace and your father's house. And this other verse from Psalms, listen, O daughter, look and give ear, forget your people and your father's house. You see the connection there between their both verses that are about leaving your people and leaving your house. So how are these verses related? Abraham, our father, was a great sage even before this, as the Holy Zohar tells us. God gives wisdom to the wise. Now, surely each person was created for a particular purpose. There must be something that we are to set right. Really, it's um, not the focus of our shir, but a beautiful idea that each person has their own specific person, their own thing, their own tikkun in the world. So everyone has a unique person. But Abraham, our father, is called a lover of God, a chassid. He went beyond the line demanded by the law. The one who serves God out of love can arouse a desire within God to let flow the source of his own soul in a way that cannot be comprehended by the human mind. Okay, that is a very hard sentence to understand. Let me try to parse it out and explain it. The one who serves God in love arouses in God a desire to help us understand things about ourselves that we wouldn't normally understand. That there's things about ourselves that are beyond our capacity, but when we serve God in love, God helps us unlock things about ourselves that we didn't actually understand. Thus, they interpreted in a verse, those who fulfill God's word to hear the voice of God's word. By properly mending our deeds, we can come to hear more and more. This goes on forever. The chassid serves God in order to become attached to the root of the mitzvah, ever seeking to hear new things. Why do we serve God? Why do we try to get close to God? Because it allows us to hear new things, new perspectives. So it's going to go on. This is why scripture said, hear, O daughter, referring to that which we can understand. And afterward, give ear, meaning that all hearing and listening should be attuned only to God. This is the complete surrender referred to in the verse get you from your land, your birthplace, and your father's house. What does it mean when God says, go forth, leave everything that you know, go on this uncertain journey? It's asking Abraham to completely surrender and to give over to God. That part of what it means to be sort of out on this journey, this is going back to the word quest, which was so directly on, part of what it means to be on a journey, to be in the Midbar, to be in the wilderness, is it's complete surrender. And what happens when we surrender? In this way, we attain a new enlightenment, one that is beyond nature, just as did Abraham, our father. The verse continues, which I show you. What does it mean that in the verse it says, go forth and I will show you? What are we being shown? This refers to that which a person cannot see on his own. And so the children of Israel being drawn after God in the wilderness, in an unsown land, attain Torah, that law of fire. 
so what I think he's saying here and what I love about this text is he's saying when we stay at home, we think that we know everything there is to know about ourselves and the world, right? We think we understand ourselves. Who, who understands ourselves better than ourselves? But actually, it's only when we fully surrender. It's only when we go forth, when we put ourselves in a wilderness, when we put ourselves on a journey, that we begin to hear new things. And we begin to understand things about ourselves that we never would have even understand, that God unlocks for us all of these new understandings. And so part of, I think, what it's teaching here, the question here, if the question is, why does Abraham need to go forth? What is the purpose of going out? Or what might be the purpose of exile? Part of it might be to gain new understandings about ourselves, that there are things that we just can't understand as long as we stay sort of stuck in our home and in our same circumstances. But when we go out, when we go into the Midbar, when we go on that quest, then our hearing is attuned and we start to hear more and more. So it's about hearing those new things, those new perspectives. Okay, so you might be saying at home, but this is an exile, okay? This is ultimately a journey. And you might ask the question, and I think it's a really good question, okay, this is nice and good that on a journey, a journey is about new perspectives and hearing new things, but that there actually should be a difference. We should be clear about the language. There should be a difference between a journey and an exile. And really, with the Pesach story, we're talking about exile. So I think that that's a really good, to the extent that any of you are thinking about that, what is distinction, I think you're right. So I wanna move on and now look really at an exile text. So this is like, let's say this section is um, the purpose of journeying. I want to move on and really sharpen and say, but really, what is the purpose of exile? Okay, so we're going to move to, you want to be on Genesis 15, verses 13 to 14, okay? And so God said to Abram, Know well that your offspring will be strangers in a land not theirs, and they shall be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. So this goes to for everyone that was saying the sort of the language around what is exile was language that was around um, being um, not far from home, being disconnected, feeling like I don't belong, that sense of isolation or alienation. That's absolutely what's encaptured by these verses that God tells Abraham for 400 years, your people will be strangers. They will be gayrim in the sense of they will not have a land. They will be foreigners in this land and they will be oppressed. Um, the, but I will execute judgment on the nation. They shall serve them and in the end they shall go forth with great wealth. And so the question here, which is like really the question that I think comes back to me every Pesach is why did we have to have these 400 years of oppression? What is the role? Why did we need to go into exile? Why couldn't we just skip the exile and go right into the wealth and great positions. And so you might have some, um, you know, actually, I encourage you, this is a great moment to use the chat. So let me actually ask that question to you. Why did we need the 400 years of oppression? Why did we need the exile? Okay, so Rachel says to understand the heart of the stranger. It's also a great shy held quote, to understand the heart of the stranger, right? That we have to be the stranger, we have to be, um, the one in exile to understand um, the other people who are also strangers. It develops a compassion that goes beyond that moment to develop our identity as a Jewish nation. Yeah, that actually that when we are um, in exile, when we're in isolation, that's actually when we become stronger in our, in our own identity. It forces us to become stronger in ourselves, to not take freedom for granted, mm -hmm. to broaden our perspectives, to appreciate having our own land, which is, that's a, yeah, 
develop capacity for her compassion. So this is going back to the understanding the heart of a stranger to believe in hope, which is a difficult one that we have to be in. Like we have to be in those difficult times that hope is born from hardship, that hope is born from situations in which we're, we're, we have doubts that that's where hope comes from. There's no place like home to understand the purpose of the home that you need that period of exile to disconnect from the previous home and create to a new one, that you can't just go from one circumstance to another circumstance. That actually reminds me a lot of, in the new Pesach reader that Hadar has put out, um, that reminds me of the piece that Rebecca Weintraub wrote. You can look out for that. That actually you can't, exile can't happen overnight because you need time to, sh- to adjust to the, new, um, to the new status, to the new, you can't just be free overnight, that it actually takes time to go from one thing to another. Right, living is hard enough or 400 years of oppression really necessary. Okay, so that's part of the question. Okay, so there's a lot of good, there's a lot of really good answers in this chat of why do we need those 400 years of exile. I want to suggest that to um, begin to understand it, we're going to have to look to see how do the rabbis understand exile? Where else do we see exile in rabbinic texts such that it might help us to understand? Because based on the ideas of exile that we were jotting down in the beginning, exile seems like a pretty bad thing, right? Besides the one answer that actually stood out of exile as quest, as journey, um, which is a really important one, exile was a lot of negative things like isolation, alienation, um, being far from home. And so it is difficult to understand why God would inflict that on the Jewish people and say that that was a necessary prerequisite to being free. So the question is, where else do we see exile in rabbinic texts such that we might understand what else might exile be? What else might we find in exile? So take a look at the next text from the Mishnah of Pirkei Avot. Okay, the Mishnah Perkevo. I have to say, this is one of my favorite Mishnahs. So we're learning it right here. Rabbi Nehorai Omer, Rabbi Nehorai would say, Have goleh limakom Torah. You should exile yourself to a place of Torah. The Altamar Shahitaboacharecha, don't say that the Torah will come following after you. Shechavarecha yekamuha beadecha, or that your friends will establish it in your hands. The El Binatcha Altisha'en, and on your understanding, don't rely. Okay, so here you actually see the word exile. So to the extent that we think exile is this really bad thing that, you know, it's not something that you would ever seek out for yourself. Here's the text in which is actually saying exile is something that you should actively seek out and make a part of your life. How does that work? So I think there's a couple of ways we could understand this text. I think the first way that it's traditionally understood is if you're in a place where there is no Torah, you should go out um, and seek out Torah, and you have to go, you have to take initiative, you have to take action, you have to exert energy to get yourself to a place where Torah is, even at the cost of exiling yourself. So you have to exile yourself to the place where there is Torah, and don't assume what is the relationship between the, the three different parts of the verse. You have to take action and go seek Torah, because you can't assume that someone is just going to bring the Torah to you. You can't just assume your friends are going to establish it, you have to go get it for yourself. Okay, so this, the first reading assumes that there's no Torah where you are, and you have to go exile yourself to the place where there is Torah. I think there's another reading, which is that it might be that there is Torah where you are, that you actually are in a place of Torah, but still you have to exile yourself to another center of Torah to learn new things, to learn new understandings. I think that's where I see um, that last part, and on your understanding, um, don't rely. This is a sort of the sense of, um, the Sfat Emet, that you have to leave home and be on the journey to hear new perspectives and new understandings, which is that there might be perfectly good, I think there can be multiple centers of Torah. Yeah, I think there might be perfectly good Torah where you are 
at home, but still part of what it means to be a person who's always growing and changing and hearing new things and developing an understanding of themselves and of their world is even if there's tour where you are, you still have to proactively exile yourself to someplace else. You have to remove yourself from your current circumstance, put yourself in a situation that is uncomfortable or new or different in order to learn new perspectives. I'll just sort of give away and say, um, I think, you know, part of why I teach this year, um, part of why it really resonates with me is when I was um, in my 20s, I went backpacking in New Zealand for a year. And so I would say that was my answer of, you know, when did I, when do I feel like I was in exile? And again, I don't mean exile in the sense of like, I chose it. It was a chosen exile. Um, but that sense of when I was in New Zealand, I had, you know, nothing but the stuff I was carrying on my back. I was stripped of my possessions. I was stripped of my family. I was stripped of everything I knew. Um, and I feel like, but part of what you learn when you're stripped of everything else is there's a sort of a, a sense that you, a new understanding that you can gain about yourself when you're all alone with yourself and you have only yourself. When, I ha when you're forced to understand I'm not my possessions, I'm not my home, I'm not my family, I'm just myself. And also that part of what it means to exile yourself to somewhere else is to encounter another culture, to encounter another people. Um, that there might be, an, it might be amazing where you are, but if you're not, out in the world, you don't get to sort of gain those new perspectives. So for me, when I think about um, exile to a place of Torah, I think I had Torah where I was. Um, but Torah sort of in the larger sense, sometimes you need to place yourself in situations that are beyond your comfort zone in order to gain that new Torah. And so a question that, I, that um, comes up for me a lot when I'm thinking about um, taking on a new experience or a new job or a big move, and it's um, uncomfortable. I ask myself, is this a have golele makom Torah? Is this a situation in which I have to actively, even though it's uncomfortable, I have to actively seek the exile in order to learn the Torah? Or is this something that's actually too far beyond my comfort and it's actually, it's sort of like a, an exile that I shouldn't choose? How do you know how far to push yourself? How do you know when to kick yourself out of the house and seek out that exile? And how do you know when like actually that decision um, is too much? is too far. So that's something that I think about a lot. Um, so here, I think what we're seeing um, in this Pirkei Avot text is A, it's a sense of exile in which exile is clearly a positive, which is unlike most of the um, sort of the ways we normally think about exile. It's something that we choose for ourselves, and it's something that brings us new understandings that we can only um, really access that new Torah when we remove ourselves from where we are. Let's move on to the Rambam. That's going to offer us another um, moment of exile. So the Rambam in Hilchot Tshuva. So he says, Among the paths of repentance is for the penitent to constantly call out before God, crying and entreating to perform charity according to his potential, to separate himself far from the object of his sin, to change his name as if to say, I am a different person and not the same one who sinned. So how do we, uh, how do we achieve tshuva? Um, we have to separate ourselves from the thing that is causing us to sin. We have to change our name. We have to, as if we have to change ourselves completely and say, I am not the same person. To change his behavior in its entirety to the good and the path of righteousness. And then in the Hebrew there, the golel mim komo, and to exile himself from his place. That part of what it means to do tshuva, here's that same root, that same word, part of what it means to do tshuva is you have to actively exile yourself. You have to exile yourself. Why? Um, 
Why do you have to exile yourself? Because exile um, helps us achieve atonement. Why? Because it makes us humble. It makes us submissive. And it makes us a meek spirit. So here, um, there's something that I think that's um, ironic, which is that what is the word tshuva about? Tshuva is about return, okay? And how do we return? We can only return by leaving. In order to return, you actually have to exile yourself from your home. You have to exile yourself from everything that you know. And it's that throwing yourself from everything that's familiar um, that allows you to return. Um, so in this text, what is exile is what is exile about? What do we gain in the exile? We gain humility. We gain humility. We gain, um, we submit. So this goes back to the spot emet, a part of what it means to be in the Babin bar and for Abraham to totally just um, adhere to God's call to leave everything behind is it's through submission that we start hearing new perspectives. So we gain humility. We gain su submission. And that actually it's taking ourselves from our homes it gives us the opportunity to return. I want to take a moment to see if we can take a pause and if I can hear from some of you. Um, I started off by asking you um, what words you normally associate with exile. And a lot of the words were quite negative. They were words like alienation and isolation and being far from home. And we've now looked at um, a few different texts. We looked at the Sfad and Met, which is really about journeying. And that is through journeying that we hear new perspectives and encounter new understandings. We looked at Pirkei Avot, which is in order to learn Torah, you actually have to exile yourselves and put yourself in unfamiliar situations, um, in to exile to different centers of Torah to access the Torah. Um, and in the Rambam, which is say a fundamental way that we achieve tshuva, which honestly, interestingly, if you think about um, tshuva being something that we need to work towards every single year, maybe there's a suggestion here that like we need to, in a sense, exile ourselves every year in order to achieve the tshuva. So we've looked at three different texts that I think really emphasizes the positive value of exile. Um, so I'd like to just take a moment and allow you, I'm gonna take a little bit of time to read the chat and allow you to respond of um, how are these texts sitting with you? How does this sort of change how you think of exile? And for me, this goes back to the, the thing that my, um, my colleague in rabbinical, was, rabbinical school was saying is that even when we're not in exile, we have to cultivate a sense of exile in ourselves. So what does it mean to actively cultivate a sense of exile in our lives? Is this something that you think about? How do we cultivate exile in our lives? Right, exile involves intentional and purposeful discomfort in order to grow. Rabbi Nachman says something. He says, if I knew I was going to stay the same, I wouldn't, life wouldn't be worth living. Um, this was in a text that Rabbi Nachman was talking about, Machloket, and the um, role of controversy and dispute. But it feels very relevant here that part of, I think, I think that um, Martha, part of what, what I think, I think Martha's totally right, that part of what it means to be um, in exile is to be engaged in sort of um, purposeful um, discomfort in order to ensure that we keep growing and we keep moving forward and that we don't stay stuck. Go to difficult places within in order to move beyond our usual patterns. It's interesting that exile is a way to remind ourselves of impermanence, the possibility of change. It's interesting that we need to be reminded of that, that everything can change. Yeah. I like that, the connection between galut and ligalot, that it's in exile that we discover. 
This is a very interesting comment. I've learned more about me in exile, but I realize it only when I return. That's, I think, an interesting question about exile, going sort of definitionally to exile. Is exile something that we come back from? Is exile something sort of like by definition that we go and we don't come back? Or can there be coming back from exile? Which going to the Rambam text, the sort of the tshuva, that's sort of the end, the purpose of the galut, of the exile, is the return, and that the knowledge might actually be on the return. It's interesting to think about that in terms of the story of the Israelites, that they're in exile for the 400 years, but maybe it's actually the return from the exile where they learn something, the coming closer to God, the importance of the land, of the home, the knowledge of the stranger, the compassion. That it's not, I like that, it's not just the time that you're in exile, but it's also the coming back from the exile that's really important. Right, it's interesting that the level of vulnerability for people in exile and recognizing, I think both, I think recognizing in ourselves when we put ourselves in these situations of exile, recognizing the vulnerable positions we're putting ourselves in and, and being compassionate with ourselves, but also recognizing in other people the different types of exiles other people might be experiencing and sort of the vulnerable position that places them, them in. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to lovingly let you keep typing in the chat while I keep going on because otherwise it just distracts me very much. Um, so a question that I want to ask you, so um, if Pirkei Avot, if Rebbe if, um, Nachman, if Pirkei Avot and if the Rambam are espousing the positive value of exile, of um, seeking change, of um, seeking discomfort in order to grow, seeking out new Torah and perspectives, um, exile sounds like a great thing. What stops us from going into exile? What prevents us from leaving home? So that's where I want to take a look at um, perhaps our second to last text that comes from the Orchot HaTzadikim. So this is a 15th century um, anonymous work um, that offers a lot of different ethical teachings. And so the Orchot HaTzadikim is going to be focusing on the person who doesn't exile themselves. So take a look at that text from the Orchot HaTzadikim. Ha'etzel hu rach halevav ve'eno golel lemakom Torah. The atzel, the lazy man, is soft of heart, is faint-hearted, and doesn't exile himself to a place of Torah. So interesting, he's totally playing with that exact language from Pirkei Avot, of Golel Mekom Torah. Who is the one who is not Golel Mekom Torah? And what does that say about him? Of Hing, King Solomon said seven things. So why is it King Solomon? Because we're about to, or Chodot Tarekim is about to quote a ton of verses from Mishle, from Proverbs, which is authored by King Solomon. So that's why King Solomon is coming in here. So what does the lazy man say? People say to a lazy man, there's a teacher in the metropolis, go and learn Torah from him. And he answers, I'm afraid of the lion that is in the path. As it is said, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the way, quoting from Proverbs, right? So they say, just go to the city, there's a great teacher there. And he says, I don't know, there might be a lion in the path, I'm not gonna go. They say to him, okay, there's a teacher in the township, presumably closer than the metropolis. There's a teacher in the township, get up and go to him. And he answers, I am freed lest there be a lion in the streets, as it is said, yea, a lion is in the streets, also quoting from Proverbs. And then they say to him, okay, you don't have to go to the metropolis, you don't have to go to the city, but the teacher lives right near your house. You just have to go outside of your house. And he answers, the lion is somewhere outside. As it is said, the sluggard says, there's a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. Then they say to him, the teacher is right in your house. He's right there. And he answers, but if I go, and find the door locked, I will only have to come back. So now it's like you don't even have to go to the metropolis. You don't even have to go to the city. You don't even have to go outside. The teacher's actually waiting at your door. Just go to your house. The teacher is right there. And he says, but what if the door is locked? I can't do it. I don't want to do it. 
the teacher's right in your house and answers, but if I go and find the door locked, I will only have to come back. They say to him, the door is open. Don't worry about the door being locked. It's open. As it is said, the door is turning upon its hinges and the sluggard is still upon his bed. So the meaning of that Mishli verse is that the door is actually opening and yet still the lazy one is still lying in bed. Finally, when he does not know what to answer, he says to them, whether the door is open or locked, I want to sleep a bit more. As it says, how long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? When he arises from his sleep, they place food before him to eat, but he's too lazy even to lift it to his mouth. As it is said, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It tires him to bring his hand back to his mouth. So I invite you in the chat. So I invite you into the chat to um, type some of your responses and I'm gonna try to read them. I, so what I wanna, um, my question to you is, what does this text bring up for you? Um, what I want to say about this as a huge, huge caution is I read this text as being a text that I would say to myself. This is not a text that I would say to someone else. This is not a text that I would bring as a judgment for someone else. So this is not a text that we deploy to say that person, I think the Orchot of Tzedekim might be doing this to be clear, but this is not a text in which I would be placing judgment on the person who is, um, why doesn't this person go and do such and such a thing? I more read this as a text for myself. Of what are the things that stop me from going to the metropolis? What are the things that stop me from going to the town? And so with that, I would turn it over to you of, um, what does this text bring up for you? What, what are the things that stop us from um, seeking out exile? What are the things that stop us from um, leaving our house? Right, I hear you, Ethan. This is a hard text in the time of social distancing. We might have some compassion for the slugger to take some time to not seek Torah at all. I think that's true. I think that there are moments in our lives when we're in a place to have that energy um, to really exile ourselves in a real way, to seek out Torah, to go to the metropolis. And there are moments where I think judgment to other people. And, and even I think I would emphasize um, having compassion in ourselves. But part of the question is just thinking, what are the things that get in our way? Laziness is very different from fear. Yeah. Inner mitigation is a necessary part of the equation. I'd love to hear more about that, the inner mitigation. Sounds like someone I know who is a perfectionist. Fear of making mistakes can be paralyzing. Right. So there's the fear of uncertainty, of not knowing how it's going to be. That's what Greta was saying. And Sarah and Martha, uh, Sarah and um, Aura, right, of, of not, not knowing how it's going to be and not knowing if I'm going to get it exactly right. What if I'm not actually any good at learning Torah? What if the thing that I set out to do what if, and this is, you know, totally relevant in terms of, oh, inner motivation. I thought inner mitigation might also be very interesting. Inner motivation, yeah. Um, what if the thing that I set out to do, it turns out I'm not, so this feels very relevant to decisions about taking on new jobs. Um, that sense of how far do I push myself beyond my comfort zone? Do I take that new opportunity? Or am I going to get it right? Am I afraid I'm not going to be good enough? Um, it's easier, it's safer to stay home. I'm reading a little bit more. The line does indeed sound like COVID. Yeah. Right. And so here, I think that this is a moment to sort of go back to um, sort of the opening of sometimes, I think the moment in which we're in, in which staying at home is actually its own form of exile, um, in which actually the thing that in the thing that we're doing is we're staying at home, but we're in an exile from our lives. So if, if the lion is COVID and if we are being exiled to our homes, then I would ask you also the inverse question of to the extent that we've been thinking about what do we gain from exile, from leaving our homes, what might we learn by staying at home? What might we learn from the exile that is at home? And again, I want to sort of emphasize um, 
there are very real costs to exile. Um, and there are very real costs to what is happening now. There's very real darkness. There are people that are um, dying. Um, you know, there's a very, the isolation, the alienation of the exile that we're in now are very real. And I do not in any attempt to sort of wipe those away. But I would, in the same way that we are thinking about, well, but what else might, what else might there be in that exile? I would ask us, what else might we discover in our homes? What might we learn from pushing ourselves to go out of our homes? And what might we learn now from staying in our homes? I'm going to read some of your answers. Some of us with the opportunity to open up to new Torah. Exile at home may allow our world to heal. What can we learn about how we can respond to and help a person like the lazy man? I like that, and this feels connected. Where is the response that says, I will go with you? Having company for the first outing. I appreciate that, that you're looking for what is the compassionate response to the person of how can we be with the person who is not quite ready yet for that journey? How do we accompany them? What is exile? I think exile is a, often a stripping down of ourselves. Um, it's sort of stripping ourselves away of our possessions of the things that can be distracting so that we are only with ourselves so that all we have is what we're carrying on us. Um, there's a sense in which I think that's also true in our homes. It's a stripping away of the distractions of the outside world so that we only have ourselves and the people who are in sort of that nuclear house with us. Um, I think exile is um, sort of humility, um, recognizing that we don't know everything, that our understanding is not all there is and that there might be new perspectives out there. And exile is um, submitting ourselves to opening ourselves up to those new perspectives. Um, and so I guess my, my blessing for us um, is that we can find a way to bring a little bit of exile into our lives, but in, in healthy ways, that we can find a way to seek out those um, new perspectives, those new understandings, um, but in a way that feels safe um, and healthy for us, that we can always sort of navigate those boundaries of knowing just how far to push ourselves and when. And I really want to, I would have liked to have spent more time dwelling on them, but I really appreciate those comments. Um, that are also about um, who goes with us in our exile. Part, I think part of the difficulty is exile is, it feels like something that you do alone, um, but also how can we support other people? How can we, in, in, in one hand, I want to suggest, how do we seek out those places of discomfort in our own lives to allow our own growth and perspective? But how can we also be the person who um, is supporting other people, both when they're not yet ready to make those steps out of their house? I mean, also when they are, how can we be with people um, in their exile. Mm -hmm.